this morning, the title of my message is Stop Tolerating the Enemy. Stop Tolerating the Enemy. The word tolerate means to allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something you do not agree with without interference. To allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something you do not agree with without interference. Um, Years ago, I had a dream, and I was walking into somebody's house, and it was this beautiful house, and they're like, you can go into any room, but we don't go into the master bedroom. I'm like, why? There's a snake in there. There's a snake in there, and we just don't even deal with it. I was like, okay, let me see. And I went in, and it was this huge, huge snake. But as I looked at this snake, it was a garden snake. It had no teeth, no venom. And I'm like, this snake is telling you you can't come in here. You have authority over this snake. It looks big, and it looks like it has all this power. It has no power. It's a garden snake. Kill it. (laughs) This is my dream, Ed. (laughs) This snake, (laughs) it's spiritual. Don't kill real garden snakes. But, But this snake that looked so big was controlling this room and a house. And every single one of us, I believe, have an area where the enemy is controlling us. And either we just don't want to deal with it, it seems too big, it seems impossible, so, you know, I'm blessed in these areas, that area is okay, whatever it is. And this morning, I want to talk about those areas, because Jesus died for every single area. He wants us to prosper in every single area of our life, and the enemy's a liar. He's a liar, and we have to come against it. You know, salvation's so easy. We just believe. But getting our salvation out is so hard. The renewing of the mind takes work. It's not easy. You know, we think we get saved, there's automatically all these blessings come, but it doesn't work like that. And, and I wish somebody would teach on that. Because we have to renew our mind. Our mind keeps us from it coming out. Everything's been done and it's in us. It's not far off. The kingdom is not far off. Kingdom is within you. Every answer, every promise, God Almighty is in you. But our mind and our heart beliefs keep it from coming out. And we have to keep going after it. And we have to encourage each other, don't settle. I know it's been years. I know you're frustrated. I know you're tired. But don't settle. Keep going after it because he's a liar. And victory is ours. And we have to encourage each other. So this morning, I'm encouraging those areas where you're like, oh, well, oh, well. I'm just going to tolerate it. I'm saying no. New strength is coming today, and you're like, you know what? I've tolerated this too long. Jesus paid such a high price for our victory. He did it, and it's just renewing our mind to the truth. And so we're going to talk about that today. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, I'm going to read in the Amplified first, and then I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. It says, be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. And I'm telling you, the days we're living in, we have to be so sober because everybody is drunk around us. And the lies of the enemy. The enemy of yours, the the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. 
but resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attacks, rooted, established, and immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. You know, I want to tell you that every single one of us deal with stuff. Sometimes the lie of the enemy is you're the only one dealing with this. You have so many problems. You can never get it together. (laughs) And I'm telling you what you're experiencing Every single believer experiences the attacks of the enemy, the same lies. He doesn't come up with new material. He just makes it personal. He studies us. He knows our weaknesses, and he'll go after it because he has no authority. So he'll study you. He knows your hardest day when you've had a hard day, and that's when he comes in with a punch, with a lie. And are we going to take it? In the New Living Translation, it says, Stay alert! Exclamation mark. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. It's not like a little, no, don't do that, don't do that. Like you stand firm. And then you keep standing. You keep standing. You keep standing. Like the battle of who's going to win is perseverance sometimes. Sometimes perseverance (laughs) takes a long time. Ben and I did a, okay, I'm going to go on a little bunny trail. Ben and I did this test. We're, we're going deep in our hearts this year. And we took this test of like weak areas. And my patience was one of the lowest. I'm like, okay, Lord, let me work on that. Like when I want something, I want something. And the kingdom, it comes by faith and patience. That's hard for my personality. I'm working on it. The Lord's working on that. Um, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. James 4, 7. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humbling yourself before the Lord doesn't mean, woe is me, I'm nothing getting on the ground. It means I'm humbling my opinion about this situation to what God says. His word is the greatest thing in my life. I'm humbling myself to what he says, even though everything inside of me, all of my emotions are feeling this. Fear, I'm scared, whatever my emotions are. I'm humbling my emotions and my opinion, and I'm picking up what Christ says. That's humbling yourself. And then we resist the devil, and he will flee from us. The enemy will take as much as you will give him and then more. He's never satisfied. He's never satisfied. If he can get one area, he'll keep going after another area. He will see how much he can take. If we resist him, the Bible says he flees. We have to resist him. If we don't resist him, he keeps coming back for more and coming back for more. He will never be satisfied. Just like sin, sin is never satisfied. It's never enough. It's a little compromise here and a little compromise there. And then all of a sudden you're like, who am I? What am I doing? This is not who I am. It's because it's never satisfied. Um, You know, I've been on the mission field and here in America. I've seen people demon-possessed. Has anybody seen somebody manifest a demon? (laughs) The devil's real. (laughs) And he's a bully. I remember in Mexico there was a young girl who came up for prayer And she says, every single night I'm raped by demons. 
and it broke my heart. I'm like, I don't even know how that's possible. But I say that like I know that's kind of like a, ugh, ouch, <laughs> like that was harsh. But I'm telling you, the enemy is not nice. <laughs> we cannot tolerate him. The, the ideas and the things that he can do to people when they let him is inconceivable. I mean, we've seen it in our nation, the human trafficking, the things that are going on, girls that want to be boys, boys that want to be girls. Like, this is the enemy's idea to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's never satisfied. It will keep going until the church says, enough is enough. And we speak truth. But it starts with our own hearts. We want to tell everybody else what they're doing and what they need to do. And we just keep the door closed to that one room that the enemy has. And we have to deal with our own hearts. I'm telling you, you're loved. God's not ashamed of you. We, we can deal with the crap because we're loved. And we have grace. You know, we all want to act like we're spiritual. We have it all together. Nobody does. Jesus has it all together and he lives in you. Oh, doesn't that give you so much peace? When I feel like I'm a hot mess, I'm like, Jesus, you have it all together. And you're in me and I'm one with him. You're one with him. That means on your worst day, in your weakest moment, Jesus says, I am what? Strong. When you are weak, I am strong. We're one with him. I love that. I can lean upon him. We can lean upon him. We cannot tolerate with the enemy. We cannot negotiate with the enemy. And we do this in our mind. Jesus in his blood completely and fully conquered the enemy in a believer's life. He has absolutely no authority unless we give him permission. And we give him permission by being passive, by not renewing our mind, by not being in the word, by not standing up against it. Say no, no, no. Waking up an hour earlier in prayer over our kids and say no. Going to marriage conference and say no, you can't have my marriage going to healing university and renewing our mind. I mean, there's things that we do that we take a stand against. It's with our voice. It's with our voice. We speak it out. No, you can't have this area of my life, and I'm not backing down. We fight. We fight with victory. <laughs> What's already been done, we take what has already been given to us. Okay, if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Kings 20. It's an Old Testament story. And um, it's interesting because this story is about a horrible king that was over God's people, but God is still for his people. God loves Israel. God loves his people, and we've been grafted in. And it's a story about um, the enemy coming after God's people. So Israel represents God's people. And um, in verse 1, it says, Now King Benahad of Aram mobilized his army and supported the chariots and horses of 32 allied kings. They went to besiege Samaria. Samaria is in Israel, in the Israelite capital, and launched attacks against it. Okay, this is the enemy, 32 kings coming against God's people. And Ben-Hadad sent messengers to the city to relay this message. So before they got there, he sent a message to the king, and he said, this is what Ben-Hadad says, your gold and silver are mine, and so are the best of your wives and children. So the enemy's coming in to the king of Israel, and he's saying, just so you know, I'm coming. Your gold, your silver, 
your wives, your children, it's mine, and I'm coming after it. Verse 4. This is how King Ahab of Israel responds. All right, my lord, all that I have is yours. Soon, Ben-Hadad's messengers returned and said, this is what Ben-Hadad said. I've already demanded that you give me your gold and your silver and your wives and your children. But about this time tomorrow, I will send my officials to search your palace and the homes of your people, and they will take away everything you consider valuable. See, it's not enough. It's not enough. Then Ahab summoned the leaders of the land and said, look, look how this man is stirring up trouble. I already agreed. When we sent the message demanding, I'll give him my wives and my children in gold and silver. I don't know why he said he could have the wives. Like, it's like, why didn't he put a stop there? But, okay, another message for another day. <laughs> um, don't give in to any more of his demands. The leaders and the people advised. So Ahab told the messengers of Ben-Hadad, say this to my king. I'll give you what you asked for the first time, but this last demand of yours I simply cannot meet. So the messengers returned to Ben-Hadad with the response. And Ben-Hadad sent the message to Ahab, may the gods, small gods, bring tragedy on me, and even worse than that, if there remains enough dust in Samaria to provide more than a handful for each one of my soldiers. Then the king of Israel sent back this answer. A warrior still dressed for battle should not boast like a warrior who's already won. This reply of Ahab's reached Ben-Hadad and the other kings, and they were drinking in their tents, prepared to attack Ben-Hadad, commanded to his officers, and they prepared to attack the city. Then the prophet came to King Ahab and told him, this is what the Lord says. Do you see all of these enemy forces? Today I will hand them over to you. Then you will know I am the Lord God. You know, the enemy is... Um, never satisfied, he'll keep going after and keep going after. And finally, King Ahab had enough. Like, I don't know why he didn't have enough from the beginning, but he was, okay, enough is enough. I'm not anymore. The moment he stood, God backed him up. God backs up what we say. He's made us powerful, and we get to choose. You know, it's, it's really easy to be a victim and I know I've been there. But why is this happening to me? Nobody else is struggling with this. Why isn't God moving? And God moved. Jesus moved at the cross. And now we take that authority and have to implement it in our lives. But the problem is, it's work. <laughs> and we don't want to do it. And we want it just to happen. But sometimes there's areas in our life that is a fight. There's some areas that are no, it's no fight. It's so easy for us. And some areas we have to fight. You know, we have generational curses. We have negative mental images in our body. We have things spoken over us. Sometimes we don't even know. But I'm telling you, every single one of us has a fight. But we're fully equipped for the fight. And the fighting is resisting. It's resisting it, saying no, no, no. And as soon as you take a stand, who's there? God. God is there. And we see this. As soon as king of Israel stood up and finally said no, God backed him up. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says the enemy pretends to be the roaring lion. 
He's an imposter. It doesn't say your enemy goes around as a roaring lion. That preposition, it's like. Like a roaring lion. He is not. We serve Jesus, the lion of Judah, who's conquered all. But the enemy pretends to be something he's not, and we believe him. And he will go only after those who he knows he can devour. And that means permission because he actually cannot devour any of us without permission because of the blood of Jesus, and we believe it. If the enemy was defeated by Jesus and his blood, why do we tolerate the enemy? And I'm saying that for my life too. I get lazy. I get lazy. I compromise in some areas. Two reasons why I think we tolerate the enemy, and I'm sure there can be more, but let's just do two for today because time's running out. But two reasons why I think we tolerate the enemy. Number one, we don't understand our authority or we don't believe it. Jesus has given us all authority. He says, ask for whatever you want, you can have it. Use my name for whatever you want, you can have it. Like he has given us his name, his signature, his blood, everything. But we don't understand or believe the authority we have. The second reason is I think deep down, we believe we deserve it. I think because of shame and condemnation, we allow the enemy to torment us because deep-seated in our heart, we're like, he's right. He's right. And we need to get set free for that. Anybody heard of double jeopardy? Yeah, double jeopardy is it prohibits anyone from being prosecuted twice for the same thing. Jesus took the payment. There's no way we can be punished anymore. Romans 3 is so powerful. Read Romans 3 if you don't believe that. He took the punishment. And it is illegal for the enemy to punish us. It's illegal. It's not about what you've done or you haven't done. It's about what Jesus did. He took what we deserved and gave us what he deserves. And so that shame and condemnation is what gets us stuck. Because subconsciously, I know not consciously. We all know what to say consciously. You know, I'm highly favored. I have authority. The enemy has no right. But our core belief deep down is like, well, what if? What if I deserve it? Or you know, that shame and that condemnation. And we got to get set free from that because he is bullying us over that. We are allowing it by being passive. You deserve every blessing of God because of what Jesus did. It's not about you. We're all, we, none of us deserve it. You cannot earn the favor of God, the goodness of God the blessings of God, but it's so good. And every single one of us, he would be delighted to see us walking in it. Every single one of us. Okay, so how do we do what James 4, 7 and 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says to do? Resist the enemy. What does that mean? What does that mean to resist? Okay, so the perfect example, I believe, is Jesus. He's perfect theology. He's the perfect example of everything. If you ever get messed up and... Maybe an Old Testament story that doesn't quite compute. Look at Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is Father God. He implemented Father God's heart. Matthew 4, 
You know, Jesus came on earth as perfect, and guess what? He went through temptations and trials, too. Um, this last week, um, I think it was on Saturday, um, I hurt my back. I don't remember what I did. Like, it wasn't one thing, but all of a sudden, like, I think it's my sciatic nerve. Um, I've been limping around all week. <laughs> it's been pretty painful. And, um, you know, you guys know that Ben had an accident last year and went through three surgeries. But me having this minor pain gave me so much sympathy for him. <laughs> like, even getting dressed, I'm like, every little thing, I have to really think, is it worth getting up and moving <laughs> to get this? And I was thinking, Jesus experienced everything we would ever go through and has so much compassion. I had so much more compassion. I mean, I feel like I had compassion, but until you go through pain, and that's not even like I'm not even putting my level of pain there. It's almost embarrassing to say, but shooting pain, even this morning, I was like, does it hurt like to put all your weight on one leg? I mean, he's rolling his eyes like, yeah, like, yes, like, yes. <laughs> but my heart of compassion and that's how Jesus feels about us. And, I, and I'm talking about even sin. I think sin, when we sin and miss the mark, can bring the most pain to our heart. Like, sin hurts, you know, especially when you love the Lord and you've missed it. Like, sin hurts. And he knows. He knows. He's, he's experienced it. It's more like we have the sciatic pain and Jesus went through that motorcycle accident. He more than knows, and he sympathizes with us. And so Jesus was tempted by the enemy. You know, we get to see his life, and he led a life of trusting God, but it wasn't easy for him. He was tempted like any other man. And, and I want to show you what he did. So Matthew 4, verse 1, Then Jesus led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit took him there, took him there to strengthen his faith. Listen, God's not going to always protect us. We have the tools and the authority. We think God's going to put a bubble around us. It's not because he doesn't love us. It's because he knows we're capable. You're capable. You're capable. It's in you. I live in you. Whatever we go through, he goes through. It's not like he's far off and he's like, I hope you survive. It's like, let's do this. I'm in you. We got this. Punch the enemy. Kick him. He's defeated getting violent in here. <laughs> when Jesus led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted there by the devil, for 40 days and 40 nights, he ate nothing and became very hungry. Has anybody been on a 40-day fast? Neither. Then the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, change these stones into loaves of bread. Now, this was a big temptation. It's hard to understand because you're like, oh, it's Jesus. He just says no. No, he's starving. He's starving. And the thought of bread, I mean, when somebody says a word, then all of a sudden your brain, and then you start smelling that fresh bread, and like all your senses are there, right? You're like, that would be a great idea. Like, I'm towards the end. I'm almost done. I'm almost done, and God loves me. The temptation was there, but Jesus told him, no. The scripture says people need more than bread for life. They must feed on every word of God. What did he use to resist? The word. He didn't say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm hungry and poor me. And why, why, why didn't you call me to do on a 40-day fast? I, I shouldn't be doing a 40-day. He didn't try to make excuses. He just used the word of God. That resisted. Because the word of God is truth. It's light and darkness. It's life and death. 
he used the word. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. Come on, show off. Show me what your God can do. For the scriptures, oh, um, if you're the son of God, for the scripture says now, now the enemy is using scripture against him. He goes, oh, you're going to use scripture? I know a few scriptures. Let me use this and just twist it a little bit. Has the enemy ever done that to you? <laughs> the enemy says he orders angels to protect you. See, God says he'll protect you and he'll hold you with his hands and keep you from striking your foot. You're good, Jesus, do it. This is what the word says. And Jesus responded, the scripture also says, do not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain. Now listen, I don't think these were three things. I think the enemy came every day, every day, every day, every day. You see that like the enemy came once and he resisted and then he came back. You know, sometimes we're like, okay, I can resist him once, but come on, he keeps coming after. I just give in because I become passive. I become tired. The enemy kept coming after Jesus. But Jesus kept resisting. And I know sometimes you feel like, gosh, is this ever going to stop? It is. But you have to keep resisting. I'm telling you, people all over the world, believers all over the world are experiencing the same things of you. It's not just you. We all have our battles. And we're all fully equipped. So the next, uh, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain. And I don't even know how the devil could take him. Like, I don't know if this was a vision. I don't know what happened. But... Um, yeah, he, he had a lot of authority right there. And I will give this all to you, he said, if you only kneel and bow to me. Now, why could the enemy even tempt Jesus with this? Because he's the principalities of this earth. He has dominion on earth because Jesus had not conquered yet. He had not gone to the cross and the grave and, and resurrected. And so this was Satan's domain. And he's like, kneel down to me and I'll give you all this, this authority and you can rule. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and cared for Jesus. I love that, that the angels came and ministered to Jesus because after a fight, you need that. After a fight, you need that. And I'm telling you, if you don't tolerate the enemy, if you resist and you resist and you resist, the blessing. Can you imagine angels coming and ministering? There's such a blessing when we resist, we resist, we resist. How do we stop tolerating the enemies in our life, the enemy in our life? The word. Jesus resisted with the word of God. The word of God justifies for us. The word of God justifies for you. You don't have to justify yourself. We can't, but the word does. It's, it's the proof. It's the truth. Light combating darkness, and it will always win. We have to know the word of God. Believing the word is our weapon. A lot of us know the word, but don't believe the word. We know the word, but don't believe the word. It's a huge difference. The enemy knows those who believe the word. You can feel it. Remember in the Gospels, it says that, the, you know, the rabbis would teach the word of God, right? And then Jesus came in and taught the very same word. And they're like, whoa, there was so much authority and power. The same scriptures with authority and power. Because Jesus was the word. He believed the word versus just a religious man spouting out things. You can feel it in the spiritual realm. You can see it in the spiritual realm when you speak something and the enemy's like, She's serious. <laughs> He's serious. There's authority on that. 
It releases the lies of the enemy. Knowledge releases faith. The more we know the word, the more faith we have in that area. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. The word of God is alive. It's not some old book. It's living and breathing. It's Jesus Christ. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Talk about a good weapon for the enemy. Cutting between the soul and the spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. That means it goes deep in our heart and really shows us the lies we're believing. You know, we don't know the lies we're believing. Okay, I'm going to throw myself under the bus again. So this test that we're taking, you know, it showed us the areas that we're struggling with. And I am so embarrassed to say, pride was up there. I'm like, what? Like, I have my areas. But pride, like, I don't feel like I'm better than anybody. You know, like, I don't feel. But Ben laughed so hard. I was so <laughs> mad at him. I'm like, <laughs> But, you know, pride doesn't just mean you're better than anybody. But pride is you have thoughts higher than God. And that could be insecurity, too. Like that unworthiness and insecurity is actually pride. I'm going to hold on to who I think I am and not adjust or pivot to who you say I am. That's pride, too. I mean, I don't know what pride I am. I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm sure there's all of it in there. But what I mean to say is we don't know what's in our heart until we read the word. The word of God reveals it. It's that sword that goes into our heart and shows us what we're really believing. Why? Because we need to get to the root of it and pull it out. A lie we're believing. You believe you're unworthy. This is why the enemy is able to take and take and take and take. Don't you want to know that? So then the Holy Spirit can pull out the root and say, no, you're worthy. You're chosen. You're loved. And all of a sudden faith comes up and you say, no way, enemy. You cannot take this anymore. This is what I'm talking about, the word of God. But we neglect it. We don't know the word and we let the enemy control us. This is our weapon. And when the enemy comes against us, we know the word. We know the word. And if you are a baby Christian, come on Wednesday nights. Come to Healing University because that is sowing the word into you. You have to be taught. You have to be taught. We all have to be taught. Yes, we have time by ourselves, but we're taught by teachers and people. We teach each other. You have a revelation I need. I have a revelation you need because we all have the Holy Spirit and we're learning. Another powerful way to resist the enemy is Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed by this world, but by renewing your mind. Because when we renew our mind and fortify our mind in the word of God, the lies have nowhere to land. I'm telling you, the enemy knows who he can get. He goes around like a roaring lion, seeing who he can devour, right? Well, when you start renewing your mind and he knows you're strong, you're not really, it's not going to be worth his effort. James, oh, no, let's not even, it's going to be exhausting hitting James and Kimberly this week. They know the word. Come on, let's go to somebody who doesn't really believe the word. You know, but really, he knows Us who believe the word. So when we're reading the Bible, we're fortifying our mind, building a big wall, a stronghold of faith, of truth, of the blessing. So the enemy brings a lie like, nope, right? There's nowhere to land. He gets exhausted. That's resisting him too. 
It's not always speaking the word, but it's renewing our mind where he's like, oh, I have nowhere to land in their life. That's exhausting. It actually gets easier. I've been a believer for, well, I, I grew up in church, but I actually gave my heart to the Lord at 19. Whew, it was hard in the beginning because my mind wasn't renewed. I had a lot of lies, you know, and the enemy could get me. But faithfully reading the word every year, it gets better and better. It doesn't mean he still doesn't come after me, but I'm not an easy target anymore. Because I've renewed my mind, he has to get more clever. He has to get trickier. It gets easier. Imagine if the king of Ahab in 1 Kings said no right away. Do you think God would have backed him up? God goes as far as we allow him. God backs up what we say and what we choose. He made us powerful. We get to choose salvation or not. We get to choose to read the word or not. We get to choose to believe the word or not. Okay, I'm going to end with this. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but boy, does it feel like it. (laughs) Contending with physical opponents, but it's against rulers and against powers and against the forces of this present darkness and against spiritual foes of wickedness in heavenly places. I'm telling you, we have no clue how big the spiritual realm is. What we see, what we hear, what we, what we experience in our five senses is such a small, small percent of reality. The spiritual realm is reality. There's angels filling this place right now. Did you know there's angels here? We don't even see them. The spiritual realms, there's spirits of darkness all over us. Well, they can't come in these doors, but, you know, out there. (laughs) That's who we're fighting against. But he loves to use people. He loves to use people. People are his puppets. But as soon as we fight against each other, we've lost. (laughs) Then he backs out. He's like, I'm done here. This is going to be good. He loves to use us. We're not fighting against people. And I know there's difficult personalities. I get it. I get it, but it's the enemy trying to get you. Seeing if he can take your joy, your peace. When we start attacking people, we've lost. People are just the puppets of the enemy, (laughs) and we've all been used. We've all been used. The enemy will bully us. He'll lie. He'll kick us when we're down. Like I'm telling you, when we're in the worst situation, he has zero mercy. We need each other. This is why coming together is so powerful. We need each other. When we're not doing good, we need to rely on each other. We need prayer. We need a family. When Jesus completely, Jesus has completely defeated him, and if we will believe it in his word, we will see victory. Listen, the Holy Spirit will show you the areas that you don't believe him in, and then you'll be offended. You're like, yes, I do. God, I don't have pride. (laughs) He knows our hearts. We don't know the things in our hearts, but he does, and he loves us. And he points out things in our hearts because he wants to upgrade us, not to shame us. He took care of it. He knows everything. He loves us.